Wisdom is the verification of knowledge. Meaning that we can know if you have truly gained knowledge and you have understood it when you live by it. Are you all following me? We can know when you have truly gained knowledge. It's not enough for your, for your words to say, to sound smart. Because in the kingdom, it's not a matter of talk, but of power. We're going into that. The way we know that you have truly gained knowledge and you have understood it is when you live by it. So true wisdom isn't found in a multitude of words or in your knowledge, but it's found in what is actually actualized in your life. Wisdom is the submission to the knowledge. It is what is evidenced, what is applied in practice. You may know it in your head, but it is untested revelation. You may have it in your head, but until it's revealed, it is just information. Are you all following me? So what you have is good, but it has to be tested through the scope of an experience. And then the final test of wisdom is power or impact. Make a note of that. We're getting to that. We're talking about Adulam. It's going to make sense in a moment. It's already making sense anyway. The final test of wisdom is power or impact. So it's not enough for you to know. It's not enough for you to understand. It's not about just living out what you know. But how we measure the effectiveness of the knowledge you have received is by the power or the impact it produces. So many speak, many believe, but only a few see the results of what they believe. So the Bible says, again, the kingdom of God is not of talk, but a matter of power. And it's down to three principles. Know the word, understand the word, live the word, and you will see the results. It sounds simple. We complicate it. Know the word. Understand the word. Live the word and you will see the results. You will see the power of the gospel being displayed in and through your life. But the primary test is the submission to the knowledge. Yeah, you know verses. But when difficult times arise, can you submit to the knowledge that God is still good? Hmm? Yeah, you know. Do not be anxious about anything until anxiety now slaps you in the face. And now suddenly, you now have to submit to the very thing that you say you believe. Because information is not enough in the time of testing. It's not enough. You can quote all manner of scripture. I say it all the time. The devil knows the word more than you. The difference between the devil is that he just knows it by information. He doesn't know it by experience. So just by knowing scripture alone isn't enough, my sisters. It's not enough, my brothers. It has to be tested. Everyone following me? It has to be tested. So coming to church is one thing. Understanding is another thing. But leaving here and what you do with what you've heard is application. <laughs> That's what produces wisdom. Me and you can be in the same room. We can hear the same word. But I might grow quicker than you simply because I apply what I hear. 
If you just sit on it, you will grow frustrated, thinking it's something else, not realizing that you were supposed to make the move. Are you following me? Knowledge is the entrance, but don't be satisfied, don't be content with knowledge. Yield yourself to application. One thing I began to understand is that what the world actually needs, Pastor Paul, are not people who are wise in the eyes of men. The world needs people who through wisdom have been transformed and use the same power that transformed them to transform others. Let me say that again. The world needs people who through wisdom have been transformed and use that same power that transformed them to transform others. I tell you, people aren't transformed by words alone. They're transformed by being the living example of what you believe. <laughs> the Bible calls it a living sacrifice. So your verification to the allegiance of the mission of God concerning your life is not down to what you have done, but it's primarily by presenting your body. It's in your ability to survive the testing. Because as a person, as a son and as a daughter, you are going to go through testing that verifies your allegiance to this assignment. It's in your ability to survive the crushing. It's in your ability or your capacity to survive the pressing. All manner of trials can be thrown your way, but by submission to the word, I don't grow weary. In fact, I consider it pure joy. Uh, we say, yep. Uh-huh. Because it's very easy for us to embrace information until it's time where you're on your jacks and your community is not there anymore and now you have to come face to face with the trials that accompany the phrase that says consider it pure joy. Now when you face tribulations and now when the Bible says in all things give thanks, the thanks is lacking and now complaint comes in. It's not bad to complain, but don't, that, don't let that be the primary force of movement concerning your life. Otherwise, you won't move at all, Danielle. Everyone following me? There is so much in store of what God wants to do in your life, but let me tell you this from now, it doesn't come outside of the scope of testing. You are going to be tested. The parable of the sower tells us that I don't want to lie to any of you that by reason of the embracing of the word of God, the Bible says that you are going to be tested not because you are special, but because of the word that has been embedded in the inside of you. Because the enemy knows that if the word that is planted a seed in your life is planted in good soil, it can germinate and it can grow to become something that doesn't just be, it, it doesn't just provide fruits for yourself, but it provides shades for others. It provides a shade for others. So a tree doesn't just benefit itself, it benefits others. Are you following me? So the word of God is impregnated inside of you and now by partnership with the word, you now have to facilitate its growth. So it's in your ability. These testing stretches your capacity. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to trigger me. It doesn't mean that those tests aren't going to hurt me. It doesn't mean that I won't come out with any marks, but I like when Paul says that let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks 
of Jesus. What does that mean? I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. It means that the marks verify my submission. The marks verify my obedience to dwell. Bring your worst. I'm not moving. Bring your worst. I will never give up. Do what you want. The marks verify the fact that I am a son. So irrespective of the trials that come, I may be crippled. I may be crawling. I may have no strength left. But by God, I'm not going to move from position. I'm never going to move, so do your worst. You can never bring me to a place. And this is where prayer becomes necessary because you have to literally build yourself up to the place where no trial can take you out of relationship with God. Nothing. Nothing, irrespective of what mistake, irrespective of what you think you have done, that is, is, is even though the word says as far as the east is from the west, he has taken your transgressions away from you. Though the realities of the scriptures is real, even though in life we may make mistakes, you have to bring yourself to the knowledge that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing. It doesn't give me permission to go and entangle and flirt with the enemy though. But when that does happen, I run back to God because he is my refuge and my strength. So I don't just say that in a song and lift up my hands to seem holy or to seem Christian. Are you hearing me? Huh? We don't just do that because it's a song. We do that because we believe it. We do that because we have understood it. So when my emotions tell me not to turn up, revelation keeps me going. <laughs> I don't know if I'm talking to anyone right now, but it might look like, Life isn't going the way it's supposed to, right? It looks like you're getting beat up in that background. Tired, you're worn out. But don't ever consider the thought of giving up, my brothers. Do not ever consider the thought. Don't you dare even submit to the thought of throwing in the towel, my sisters. Pressure makes us. Write that and write that in bold caps, capital letters, wherever, bold, underline, underscore, whatever you want to do, hashtag, pressure makes us. Are you following me? So the Bible says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which means that God wants you before your work. Present your bodies. He wants you to subdue your body in secret. Because <laughs> your body will fail you. Even your own understanding will fail you. So the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. But subdue your body in secret because that's where strength is gained. Your body must be subdued on the altar of sacrifice. It must be permanently placed on the altar of his presence. Let me tell you, the decision to remain will cost you everything. The decision to abide. When we read John, John 15 where it says, uh, uh, I, am the, I am the vine. It tells us to dwell and to abide. We look at it like it's poetry. Until everything wants to uproot you and now you have to stay. The decision to abide will cost you everything. But you will gain double of anything you lose. I want to challenge you, divorce yourself from your comfort and embrace destiny. You will embrace life the way God intended for you. I remember I was hearing that so many times and I literally had to ask myself, I said, what? 
What was my life supposed to look like? If I was journeying with God from the beginning, what would it have looked like? It's just a question. What would it have looked like if the decision I made a year ago to pray every single day, I actually did it? A year later, where would I have been? What would I have looked like when that seven-day fasting that you started, day three, you locked it off, and you said, you know what, I'll do it next month? What would have happened if you finished that seven days fasting? What would have happened if you stuck to the disciplines that you wrote in 2022? I say all of this is because if you're being tested, praise God. It means you're actually doing something right. If you're no threat to the enemy, he won't test you. You do know that, right? But let me tell you something. If you stand in a place of testing by yourself, you will suffer. I'll say this one more time. If you stand in a place of testing by yourself, you will suffer. The Bible says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. <laughs> so I cannot approach any level of testing without God by my side. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear if he's not with me. But I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I don't fear. Why? Because he's with me. So I find it in confuse, I find it very confusing in difficult seasons when people cease praying. When the first thing that disappears in a time of difficulty is that you stop reading the word. My guy, you're already in war. Your tag team partner, you're basically saying, shoo, go. I don't want any help. But at the same time, we're crying and we're saying that we want help. But the very person who's greater than any... Are you listening to me? The very person who's... In <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so crazy to me because that's how much the devil has deceived us. That's how much the devil has twisted our minds that in the place where we need God most, that's where your prayer life stops. That's where your word life sees us. I'm telling you, when you get to a place and you're consistent with God, and for some strange reason you stop praying, my guy, get ready. Get ready for war. <laughs> because you are sustained by the word of God. Everyone following me? Absolutely sustained by the word of God. So you cannot approach any level of testing without God by your side. Because what gives you liberation is partnership with the word of God. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But the spirit of God does not do anything but reveal the person of Jesus. So it's by the word. Last week, we touched on this thing, this, 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 uh, this, this uh, chapter in, in, in 1 Samuel about Dagon. You will never see Dagon fall face flat on the ground if you enter into the arena by yourself. Dagon will treat you like a ragdoll. Oh yeah, Paul I know, Jesus I know. Who are you? 
Dagon falls not by looking at your face. I know some of our faces are scary. But Dagon falls because he who is in you is greater than anything else in the world. I'm joking, by the way. So by the very presence of God being made manifest in you, he falls. Wait, can you guys deep that? You know in that chapter, there was no words that were spoken. It was just the presence of God that caused Dagon to collapse on the floor. Just the presence of God. No prayer. No word. No utterance. It was just the presence of God and Dagon fell face flat. FB, we need to ascend, you know. What I'm trying to say is that you're in so much intimacy with God that you don't even need to say anything. Everything that's not of God disappears immediately because the presence... You know when Jesus Christ stepped off the boat and the demon-possessed man, what did he do? He ran to him. There was something about the presence that Jesus carried that attracted this demon-possessed man and he said, please, no, whatever you're going to do, spare me. Because I've understood that there is a greater authority that just stepped in. You didn't need to say anything, Crystal. But you stepping in the room I heard, I've heard revival stories about Smith Wigglesworth. A man stepped on the train. I don't know how true this is, but I love the story anyway. He said a man stepped on the train, a normal train. And in the moment he stepped on the train, everyone on the train literally began weeping. Because the fear of God had caught every single person in that carriage. Don't read the Bible like it's a storybook, you know. Are you all following me? Don't read the Bible like it's a storybook. There are things that are to be actualized in your life, Grace. To be actualized in your life. It was just the presence of God that Dagon couldn't stand. This can't be a house called Panim or Presence City if we aren't seeing unusual dimensions of the presence of God being made manifest in this room. That gives us a burden to keep tarrying. But I tell you, the mandate of priesthood is dwell in secret and watch what happens in public. Let's head to Adulam. Like I said, I'm going to touch on this for the rest of the month. I'm going to, I'm going to eat into this because I do want us to pray. I'm doing well with time today, aren't I? Oh, amazing. Guys, clap for me, clap for me. I want us to pray, I want us to pray. The person who I wanted to introduce you to is the person that we call David in the Bible. David's journey to Adullam, and I want you to pay attention to this, every single person. David's journey to Adullam came out of deep pain and anguish because of failed expectations. He didn't realize that the level of his testing was actually the formation of the character needed to rule the nation. 
The story of David begins in 1 Samuel, where uh, 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 Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and anoints David as king in front of his whole family. No one thought he would be chosen, not even his own family. The prophet Samuel anoints him, but the anointing didn't automatically mean that he was going to be king because he had to go through a period of testing to verify the call of the assignment of God concerning his life. You know when you know that you're destined for something? You know that God has specifically called you to something. He's told you, you have belief, you have confidence that this thing will happen, but it hasn't materialized yet. It hasn't come to pass yet. God has given you insight to the man or the woman that you are supposed to become, the person that you will become, but you find yourself wrestling with the process of it. This is what David was going through right now. You're in the dark trying to find your way around, trying to navigate your way through to get to the desired ending. David was brought to this point, completely broken, because the very thing that was supposed to bring a blessing to his life now provided some of the greatest testing that he has ever faced. This moment led him to the cave that we know called Adullam. We celebrate at David killing Goliath. We love that story. But the attack that came at the expense of him stepping up to kill Goliath was costly. Because as he killed Goliath and he returned back, the people started shouting, Paul has killed 1,000. David has killed 10,000. Paul has killed 1,000. Yeah, has killed 1,000. They started doing skanks and dances. Joshua and Echo was one of them. And they were, <laughs> they were dancing. And what that did is that what was supposed to be a blessing for David now became a curse because now Saul became very, very jealous. And now Saul planned and purposed Toby to actually kill David. David was petrified. So David had to disappear. And it led him to this place called Adullam. Adullam represents, make a note of this, it represents the invitation to the secret. Adulam represents the invitation to the secret. It's where men or women are forged through the trials of their testing. That your ability may fail you in the natural, but the secret gives you power to keep persevering. Now, if you can take me to 1 Samuel 22, it represents the secret place. 1 Samuel 22 the Bible says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. David comes to this place to hide out. Remember, a man wants to kill him. He's disappeared. He wants to save his own life. He's gone to this place, which is a stronghold, it's a refuge for him to, to literally stay away from all the drama. He's got his own situations that's happening. He went to hide out. He's got his own struggles. His life is on the line. Everything that he could potentially think of 
that could go right was going completely, completely wrong. You can imagine he would have had resentment. He would have had anger. He must be feeling all manner of emotions. And then we go to verse 2. <laughs> I read this and every time I laugh, the Bible says, and everybody who was in distress, one group of people, everyone who was in debt, second group of people, and everyone who was discon, discon- that word, discontented, <laughs> gathered to him. And look what happened. A man who's battling his own issue now had to become captain over them. And there were about 400 men within one chapter that 400 grew to 600. (laughs) The issue with purpose, and I want you to listen to this, the issue with purpose is that the moment when you are rendered weak is when God places a demand for your strength. I told you all during Word Week that there's an invitation this season. However, this invitation comes with a demand to those who accept it. This invitation comes whether you're prepared or not. What is coming doesn't care about your feelings. I was telling you earlier, it comes with a demand. And if you accept it, it has the power to completely transform those who are willing to journey with it. So like David, it will provoke you into action in moments of weakness where men think of reasons why God shouldn't choose them. And that's the same season that God decides to hound them with instructions. Mandates and assignments will be unveiled in seasons of complete brokenness, where you're making 200 billion mistakes, but some way, somehow, God is treating you like you ain't made none. Weariness will desire to be your partner, in the same season that the demand will be beyond what you have capacity for. Are you listening to me? So the Bible says that how can two walk together unless they agree? You guys know me. I love this verse now. In the same way, there must be an agreement, a communion, a marriage that must take place between you and the word in order for you to reap the rewards that is yet to come. So the invitation of acceleration comes with a demand of intensity. Intensity birthed from a place of deep sacrifice. Nothing like you've ever encountered before. One that will bring you to your Gethsemane. It will bring you to your crushing. But the beauty of being crushed is that what is produced will generate power to ascend. So David, a man who was in difficulty, (laughs) a man who had two billion things to think about, it's not just his life, his whole fa- he had to move his whole family. He had a lot to think about. Now, 400 men decided that they needed his attention. Let's not even jump to the fact that it grew to 600, but 400 people. This is even crazy. <laughs> 400 people. And they followed David into the cave. It's not even that these men were there to strengthen him. But these men also couldn't help themselves. God banters with us sometimes, you know. One of the issues for us as believers is that we have often positioned ourselves 
to knowing how to deal with the season of winds. And we haven't prepared ourselves on how to deal with seasons of difficulty. We know it's going to come, but we prepare more for testimonies than we do for testing. So you can embody the attitude of prayer when you want something. But there's a lack of fervency when time gets tough. Prayer is consistent when you have a prayer topic or you're praying for a breakthrough to happen, but it begins to lack when things aren't shifting in your favor, so your fire dies down. All of a sudden, I don't know why I can't pray anymore. And we've mastered the highs, but not adjusted our lives to managing the lows. We recognize the mountain moments, but can't maneuver through the valley moments. We understand how to deal with victories, but we don't know how to deal with defeats. How do you manage moments where you're in a difficult space? How do you grow when things aren't going your way? What is your attitude to service when your life isn't going the right way? And I want to say this, and I want you to hear me and know my heart when I say this. Some of us take and we make decisions to to take breaks. Breaks and sabbaticals, every single time, anything gets difficult. Don't get me wrong, looking after yourself and your well-being is very, very good. But not every season of difficulty requires rest. I want to say that again. Not every season of difficulty requires rest. These are uncomfortable moments that actually demand perseverance. Just because it's painful in the seventh and the eighth month doesn't mean that you give up the pushing in the ninth. Stop running every single time something isn't going according to plan, Jonah. We've learned the skill of serving when things are all right and good. But how is our service when everything around us is chaotic? How will you know what you're capable of? If you're always running when it gets difficult, you're hiding, isolating, all in the name of rest for your own development. I'll say this again, real growth doesn't come in a place of comfort. Sometimes you have to live through it, walk through it. I'm not talking as somebody who's just talking thin air. We've experienced this. If we gave up every single time things got difficult, Pastor Joy won't be here. Rev Ray won't be here. But you have to set your mind to divorce comfort if you want to grow. If you desire to see significant impact through your life, you have to understand not my will, but your will. You have to understand that phrase. You have to understand it. Don't just let it be something that you read. Let it sink in. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean I should run and hide. It's difficult, but it should cause me to stand firm and fight. So not my will, God. My will is to run. My will is to depart. Sayonara, peace. They won't see me today or the next four months. <laughs> they won't see me. But your will is I abide. Your will is I stay. So even when it gets difficult, remind yourself, I have been equipped for this through God and for God. <laughs> it feels scary, but God will never give you more than you can bear. You operate 
not in your own strength, but in his. It's in him that is at work in you. So through every single situation, declare over yourself that you have been equipped for this. Irrespective of the army of voices in your head, just sneak in, have been equipped for this. Understand that when we talk about caves, we're talking about mental, physical, emotional caves too. Some of us can attest to the moments where even though you're in the midst of many people, you still feel alone. Welcome to Adulam. Moments where although you have people around you, you still feel like you have no friends or no one to understand you. Welcome to Adulam. Moments where you feel to run away or to isolate yourself for a period. Welcome to Adulam. Adulam is the place of emergence. It's the place where experiences come together and you have a decision to make that either makes you or it further breaks you. So you pivot your focus to the right direction and you find that there are many people around you that actually need assistance too. Are you all following me? What this teaches me, I look at this and I say, God, how does this actually make sense? And he says, Nee, when you reach a moment where you want to give up and you want to run, look elsewhere. You will identify people who feel exactly like the way you feel. Journey together. And that's why I thank God for Panim City. Because when you journey together with these people, that's service in the priestly mandate. <laughs> David at this point could have said, you know what, I don't need all of you to be giving me that negative energy. I've had enough. Dealing with my own stuff. Huh? I'm going through my own stuff. What can I give you? I ain't got nothing to tell you. A man wants to dead me. So if I don't save myself, what use am I to you guys? Right? My worries are enough. But he goes from having to worry about himself to now having to help hundreds of people who are now in difficult positions themselves. <laughs> ah! So if you, ever rec- if you ever recognize or you realize that despite your own difficulties, you're still being introduced to people who need your help. It's not that you don't require assistance yourself. Pastor Jen, is that there's a greater desire in you, even though you're very weak. There's a, there's a desire in you to help people. My guy, you are in a doolum. Praise God. You're in a cave and your next move matters. Are you listening to me? Your next move matters. You either run, you hide, or you say, come in. I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but by God, tag along with me. Let's pray. Everyone rise up. (laughs) Part two next week. 